0: Surely, the presence of the Lord is in this house. Worship is the prerequisite to the miraculous. Worship opens the heart of man to the divine word of God. I want to commend you tonight for the tremendous way you ministered to each other last night and during these day sessions and for your great enthusiasm and for your great hunger for God and the things of the Lord. In view of what we have seen tonight and heard tonight and in view of something that Sister Welch said today at lunch I had thought in the spirit to do something different from what I'm about to do but I genuinely feel to do this particular session with you tonight. I love and appreciate brother sister Welch their family this church and I want to help them and I want to help you and I can in first Corinthians chapter 11 verse 10 a scripture that has intrigued me for all the years I've been in this 1 Corinthians 11 verse 10 says for this cause of the woman to have power on her head because of the angels verse 15 says but if a woman have long hair it is a glory to her for her hair is given her for a covering Verse 16 says, but if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 5 through 10, Paul wrote to his son in the gospel, Timothy, and said, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereinto I am an ordained preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, without wrath and doubting. <coughs> That's what men are supposed to do everywhere, on the job, in the streets, especially in the church. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair, that does not mean braided, it means to weave chains of gold and silver and jewels through your hair. So don't ridicule those who braid their hair, It's not what he's talking about at all. Not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array which becometh women professing godliness with great works. I simply want to entitle this tonight, and I feel that you are ready for it, for you have opened yourselves so wide to revelation and understanding because of your intense worship in this house. I want to simply entitle this holiness, separation from worldliness. It's the key to what you saw here tonight. It's the key to everything would you lift your hands your voices and your hearts and would you pray sincerely with me for just a moment Lord Jesus tonight we thank you for the wonder-working power of God that is in this house thank you for answered prayer for the breath of the almighty that has breathed upon us thank you for anointing in the pew thank you for anointing on this platform i pray tonight oh holy father for a spirit of revelation and understanding to rest upon every man woman boy and girl young person aged that something will happen here tonight that will change our lives forever and that we will somehow perpetuate this glorious truth to this generation and beyond should you tarry god give us revival with demonstration and power with worship, with total commitment. I pray tonight that you will anoint these lips of clay and cause me to speak as an oracle of the Lord. We give you praise, glory, and honor. We ask all of these things in the matchless, resplendent, all-powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. You may go down clapping. Would you clap your hands with all of your might? Would you lift your voice? of praise and adoration and worship to the Lord because I reiterate tonight, surely the presence of the Lord is in this house and because Jesus is here, anything is possible, anything can happen You don't have to preach about healing to get healed. And you don't have to preach about the Holy Ghost to get the Holy Ghost. No matter what you preach about, the Holy Ghost is there to meet the needs of the people. So if you need revelation, it's here. If you need the healing, it's here. If you need the Holy Ghost, he is here to fill you. (coughs) (coughs) See, I believe that. See, I believe that God is in this place. Jesus is walking in the aisles of this place. And you can feel him powerfully upon us. Do you know why he has come here? He has come here because you have exalted him because you have lifted his name, because you have dared to worship him in spirit and in truth. With every great move of God, with every great move of God in Christianity, whether it was in Wales or England, Or America under such men as Finney or Moody or Wesley or Whitefield or any of the others I have discovered by study that with every great move of God that has ever come into this world also accompanying that revival was a revival of holiness separation from the world of their day And they preached it as emphatically and as powerfully as they did the salvation message. They were unrelenting. And because they did so, they had incredible moves of God. People lay in trances for hours. Factories were closed down. Visions were seen. Angels came into the presence of those that sought him. and that is trying to happen again for us in our day I know that I influence many people in this world at this point in my life I know that I influence many young people and I have determined with everything that is within me to influence everyone I can to stay on the straight and the narrow path because it is only that path that leads to victory, to triumph, to deliverance, to revival. If you do believe that, would you clap your hands and worship Him entering into His presence again with physical gesticulation and the sound of your voice. I believe that jesus likes to hear the lifting of our voice to him in praise as much as anything every time you clap every time you pray every time you praise him heaven is mightily affected by the violence of our praying something something is about to happen for us as a people that has never happened in the history of the church the glory of the building of the latter house the glory of the falling of the latter rain. People, this thing is not going to diminish. It will increase, and it will increase, and it will increase until suddenly he will come in the clouds of glory and deliver his people from the bondage of this world and its system. As Brother Welch has so wonderfully said today, as the darkness gets darker, the brightness will get brighter. The light will get brighter. And so those will be able to see where the light is. Thank God we are children of the light. We are children of the light. We are children of the light. Jesus said, ye are the light of the world. Hallelujah. I have preached and ministered many things through the years because I knew them in the Bible and I also knew some things by revelation and I would preach them because I trust the voice of God I know what I know in Him and I would work scriptures through the material but this year I have determined to nail some things down so tightly from the scriptures that people absolutely cannot escape it. Because between the covers of this book lie the answers to the problems of life. This is the final source of appeal. Herein are the answers to the problems of life. So in early January this year, I got together with Brother Hughes while I was in Houston. One night, we went through some things I was interested in that I knew by revelation and asked him to help me in the Greek to nail it down. And we both discovered things that was like finding a treasure. We didn't use one reference source. We used many. Tonight, I want to say to you, at the outset of all of this, if you're going to be a Muslim, you are going to have to study the Koran. You're going to have to memorize large portions of it, and you are going to have to practice the philosophy of Islam. That is what makes you a Muslim. If you're going to be a Buddhist, you must study and read the writings of Buddha you must practice the philosophy of buddhism in everyday life dress code self presentation mannerisms culture custom that is what makes you a buddhist or a muslim but if (laughs) if you are going to be a christian you are going to have to study this book the Bible because Christianity was born in this book not in Islam not in Buddhism not in any of the other isms and schisms in the world the Bible is the final source of appeal for Christianity so if you're going to be a real Christian you're gonna have to find out what's in this book embrace it live it practice it absorb it and present it otherwise you are not a Christian you can profess all you want but you will possess nothing (laughs) I want to be a Christian lift your hands to the Lord of glory this Christ this Jesus, this Messiah, and tell him that you want to be a Christian. Let your voice out. Don't worry about the person next to you. Go after him. You already have, many of you, with great dancing and demonstration, but for just a moment, do it again with your voice. Go after him as intensely with your voice as you have with your dancing and your clapping and your shouting in the course of this service, because if you will call upon him, he will be found of you. If you will seek him, you will find him. His Bible, his word declares it. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now, when I was a child, I thoroughly was captivated by drawing. And I always wanted to be an artist. I had an older cousin who was tremendous at drawing, and I would watch him, look at the things he did, and I was fascinated by them. And he taught me some things, and I threw myself into it. In fact, when I was a child, Tarzan was my hero, so from Tarzan comic books, I drew him over and over the faces of apes and all kinds of things. If you know that about me, then it might not surprise you to find out that as I began to grow up, I more and more wanted to become a commercial artist. When I was in high school, I used to spend a great deal of my time in study hall periods. I was pretty good at English and um, academically, probably above average, I suppose, and always had my work done. So in study hall, I would sit there and look at students on either side of me and I would draw their profile. And when the bell rang for the next class at the end of study hall, I'd present this student or that student with a portrait of himself. I have done it many, many times. Now, <clears throat> if you know that about me, then it might not surprise you to find out or to learn that when I was in high school, I also belonged to what was called the National Thespian Society. The National Thespian Society was an organization that helped young people, especially high school students, get into the various arts and drama and plays and acting etc I was too introverted at that point in my life to be involved with speaking before public or other people and I shied away from that but with my interest in art and all of these things I became the head makeup artist for the entire high school I did all of the artwork on the faces of the students for whatever drama or play that was presented in all of the high school activities. I remember one year we did Shangri-La. When I got done with the students, their parents did not recognize them from the audience except by the sound of their voice. If I had my kit here tonight, I can take any one of you and so transform you that no one would recognize you until they heard your voice. I can make you look old, I can make you look younger, I can make you look wrinkled, I can make an oriental out of you. We learned how to take a bar of soap, lay it in a pool of water till it became soft scrape it off, put it on the eyebrows, let it dry it became smooth, put base paint on and then you can draw whatever lines whichever way you want to if you know anything about any of this you will know and if you ever get close to actors or actresses from Broadway in New York City or any other place you will usually find a bright red dot right in the corner of the eye here on either side of the nose they do that because under the floodlights of the stage, it causes the eyes to stand out from a distance. Didn't know I knew all those things, did you? <clears throat> In fact, I did my term paper on makeup. I dragged it out of my files about six weeks ago and went through it. I can't believe that I knew all that stuff at one time, but I did. I have forgotten much of it but I want to get it across to you here tonight if I had my kit I can totally make you over again now in my term paper in the research I did when I was 18 I discovered that makeup was basically an accident no one really knows how the art of makeup came to the point at which it is today except that they believed that probably there was some place in history where some native was in among the wild blackberries eating blackberries and his hands were all stained with blackberry juice in the heat he wiped his face with his hands and later went to a pool to wash and when he looked in the reflection of the water he scared himself nearly to death and realized after a while it was himself There's another theory that says, perhaps lightning struck a tree and some native came across the charred wood, picked it up, his hands were black, and also by smearing his face or wiping his face, black lines on his face, looking into the water somewhere, he also frightened himself. And from that, they began to understand that by putting colors or lines on the face, they could change their self appearance. Even to this day, in some of the tribes in far-off places, they use paint to strike fear in the hearts of their enemies. They do a lot of things with makeup to change what they are. And in the end result, makeup is a mask. So by the time of the Greek theater, the Grecian Empire, They use masks on their stages to present happiness or sadness. That particular theme is carried through to this day on the marquees and signs. Outside the world's great theaters, you will find a mask, one with the corners of the mouth turned down, another one with the corners of the mouth turned up. It represents sadness and happiness. And these masks were worn in Greek theater to present or portray these various emotions and it graduated from the mask finally to actual paint or lines in our particular day max factor of hollywood probably is the most famous individual known in this whole industry for the promulgating or the promotion of makeup and its industry he began to artistically apply color to the faces of actors and actresses from motion pictures and light and photography and was able to create things that had never been created on film before that gave birth to the cosmetic industry basically that now is a mega billion dollar industry in the world but if I were a woman here tonight I would be really upset with the cosmetic companies because who is it that said that men are alright, but that women need help? Because that's really what they're saying. They're saying the guys are alright, but the women need help. The truth of the matter is, it is written, He will beautify the meek with holiness and purity and delight i can say authoritatively to our people our women are the most beautiful women in the entire world and if you travel much in circles among us and if you're with our people when we walk into restaurants and one of our ladies walks in. You look at Sister Welch, she is just the epitome of holiness and femininity. I've watched, I've been with them, I've watched her walk in with her stately self-presentation and carriage. I've watched people stop eating and look at her. Because when a real lady walks in, every head will turn. (laughs) Women are a dime a dozen, they're everywhere. But a lady is a whole nother world. And our ranks are filled with ladies. Not just women, but ladies. So let's clap for our people. Let's clap for ourselves. And thank God for revelation, understanding. Now, let me go on with this and say, because of what I know about this, And I've never told it till this year. But because of what I know about all of this, if you've got it on, I can spot it. Because I know what to look for. Some of our women are masters at application. I have marveled at how well they have got that stuff on they praise the Lord with me, they shake hands with me, but they never know what I know and I haven't said anything until now but I'm saying it now but let me give you some tips for those of you here tonight who insist on wearing it if you're going to wear it, why don't you learn to put it on right, some of you some of you don't have a clue (laughs) for example I was standing on a street corner one day and I was watching this older woman here she was on the street corner dressed, she must have been 70 years of age if she was a day and she was dressed like some 16 year old her hair was dyed coal black the contrast (coughs) of that coal black dye against her aging skin made her look like a corpse. She looked like living death. She had dark red lipstick on her lips and from a distance it looked like this huge hole in the middle of her face. And I thought to myself, she can't Possibly think that she's attractive, but evidently she did else. She'd never gone out like that. You know something Evidently some people's mirrors don't tell them what my mirror tell me you understand It doesn't seem to tell them the same thing. It tells me Here's the secret ladies for those of you who insist on wearing it nature has designed you so that the older you get as the pigments begin to fade away in your face the hair also will lighten so that it complements each other the moment you add dye to your hair which they now discover is causing cancer because the dye is absorbed into the body both for men and women this is true we've got men among us that are dyeing their hair I can spot it I know what to look for you get, get around somebody real close and the roots are white and the rest is black. Somebody's been tampering here with something. <laughs> <laughs> so what you need to do is don't dye the hair. Don't use dark shades of red. Use the pastel colors. It makes you look younger. Don't use the dark shades. It's gonna make you look like a corpse, lady. I mean as long as you're going to do it, at least do it right. Don't make a circus out of yourself. <laughs> because <clears throat> I've seen people among us that have done it you know what's interesting to me, when a Pentecostal backslides, our women go out and put on seven times more than the average sinner on the street. It is caked on. Let me tell you something else about all of this. The people who really know, the people who are in the know, members of the royal family, for example, you will find very little makeup on them. The real wealthy in our society wear very little makeup. People who have real class wear very little of that type of thing. Because they know what real class is. They have discovered that there's lead they have put lead in some makeups, and particularly in lipstick, and by licking it off the human lips it gets into the system and causes cancer. Mm. And for you men who are romantic, <laughs> kissing someone that's all made up is a dead giveaway. You have been into foul play. I don't understand. <laughs> How you can keep all that stuff straight, you can't. Makeup is an absolute mask and most people who wear it, especially those who wear it heavily, have got some kind of internal emotional problems. They're trying to be something they're not they are unhappy with themselves. They have emotional inner disorders. I once pastored a girl she had a struggle with this makeup. She was a beautiful girl actually. She was an actress from the local high school. She could sing like an opera star. She was incredible. We won her from the high school and one day talking to her about all of this she was telling me she said I can't give up my makeup. I said Janet why not? She said, Brother Stone King, I will not go out of the house in the morning in the backyard to empty the garbage without my makeup on. For fear some neighbor looking out of the window will see me without my makeup. So let me ask you a question here. They say that we are in bondage. Who's in bondage here? I mean, if you can't empty the garbage. If you can't empty the garbage without your makeup on for fear that someone's going to see you without it, I would say you've got some kind of a problem here. We are not in bondage. We have been set free from all of that. And I'm here to authoritatively tell you, women, When the world sees you, they do not see a pale face. They see a light. They see a light. They see a light. And there is something about you that they are attracted to. When a woman puts on makeup, she is putting on a mask. She really doesn't think that God has made her good enough. She has opened a kind of open resentment and rebellion against God and in essence she is saying, I am going to fix it. Why doesn't a man have that problem? Because a man doesn't use makeup as an attraction additive to his personality. A woman is trying to attract a man. In nature, as Brother Hughes said earlier today, it is the male that tries to attract. In the human species, it is the reverse. It's in a woman's nature to attract. It's in them to do it. In nature or creation, everyone say truth. I want to find out what was said here later. In nature or creation, they do not attract for life. Now there are exceptions. Geese, for example, mate for life, but there is no special coloring distinction between the male and the female. They both have the same coloring. Eagles mate for life but there's no special coloring in them. They both look exactly the same. But those that do not mate for life, they have to vie for the female's attention. It is impossible, Brother Hughes tells me, to translate into the English language from the Greek in just a few words. So when you get to working with the original language of the New Testament, sometimes it takes a lot of words To say what really was written originally for us in the Word of God for example in Jude (coughs) verse 8 it says likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh everyone say defile say it again likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh despise dominion and speak evil of dignities the word defile from Vine Expository Dictionary of the New Testament means primarily to stain tint or dye with another color as in the staining of a glass according to the analytical lexicon to the Greek New Testament in Greek The word defile comes from the Greek meaning to tinge, dye, stain, to pollute, to defile. So, what the Bible is really saying, likewise also these filthy dreamers who stain, tint, dye, tinge the flesh. Hence, if any man stain, tint, or dye this body, him shall God destroy. Powerful. Powerful. God said in Isaiah 66 and verse 4, I also will choose their delusions and will bring their fears upon them because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear, but they did evil before mine eyes and chose that in which I delighted not. If you do not love the truth, God will choose a delusion for you and he will allow you to go with intensity into error. This is one of the most scary things I've ever heard. Statistics from the motel and hotel bureau show that when charismatic groups We've heard so much about the charismatics, they've infiltrated us, we've lost people to them. They have their shows, they have their television time, they have their radio time, they have their campaigns in our cities. They pose to be the liberated ones, they pose to be those that have found freedom, they pose to exalt Jesus, they pose to exalt holiness and that they are the truth and they have the freedom and the love of Christ. But now get this, according to statistics from the Motel and Hotel Bureau uh, (coughs) show that when charismatic groups come to town and have their conventions, there are more pornographic movies rented than any other convention group that comes to town, including Shriners and all of the others. When charismatic conferences come to major big cities during the time they are there there are more pornographic movies rented than any other convention group why? because they are appealing to the flesh they want the world and they want God too and you cannot have this world and have God too You can't have it. You either have to decide for one or the other. You either have to say here tonight, I'm going to serve this Jesus. I'm going to be a Christian according to his word and I'm going to say goodbye to the world or I'm going to leave Jesus and all his benefits and eternal securities and I will follow the ways of the flesh and the world. What do you think, (coughs) excuse me, what do you think would happen God forbid if Brother and Sister Welch came to this pulpit some Sunday night and said, we're going to change the order of everything here. We're going to take out these pews. We don't need them. We're going to sit cross-legged on the floor. We're going to all don orange kimono robes. We're going to shave our heads and grow a long earlock or hairlock off the side of the head or the top of the head. I'd have to wear mine on the side. I wouldn't be able to. Do it. I have to get it over here. But we're going to grow these long ear or hairlocks, and we're going to... We're still going to baptize in Jesus' name, we're still going to receive the Holy Ghost, we're still going to carry our Bibles, we're just going to change the format. We're going to come here and sit cross-legged, we're going to chant, and we're going to pass out flowers on the street corners, and we're going to do all of this. What do you think would happen here? I'll tell you exactly what would happen here. The spirit of Hare Krishna would come to this congregation, and you would fight devils unlike anything you have ever come up against. So if that's true about the Hare Krishna appearance uh, my God, my God people, can't you understand and see that if we allow our people to dress like the world, the spirit of the world will come in here. The spirit of the world will come into our congregations. The spirit of the world will come in among our people. And when it does, you will not be able to have revival. You will not be able to get people prayed through the Holy Ghost. You will have a form of godliness. But the power will not be there. It will not be there. I won't tell you who, but years ago, I preached a revival for one man. He had heard about the tremendous success we were having. He wanted me to come and reproduce in his church what he had heard was happening in every other church. So I went there and it was back in the late 60s when all that hippie mess was among us and he and it was a mess and he was going on I preached as hard as I ever preached fasted as much as I ever fasted prayed every day nothing happened that week I could tell he was disappointed but in his congregation they had so many frumpy clothes and beads and earrings and all kinds of hair Messes you can't believe. So I could tell on Sunday night that he was disappointed because great things did not happen. So I went to him. I said, look, I'm only an evangelist. You are the pastor here. But I can tell you what the problem is. If you let me preach this mess off these people next week, we will have a revival. I said, now you're the pastor and I'm just the evangelist but I've got other places to go I can pack my bags and go down the road I don't need all this but I can help you have revival if you'll let me preach this mess off these people he said Brother Stone King go at it do whatever you want to do and that's all I needed so that next week I went at it! And some of those people did not even wait for the next day for the barber shops and whatever. They went home and got scissors and all kinds of razors. And the next night when they came back to church, you didn't recognize the congregation. But that weekend, 64 souls received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 64 people! received the baptism of the holy ghost because god wants separation he wants us to come out from the world and show forth his light and his glory feel excited Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Jesus! There's somebody running around, so let's just add a little more fuel to this, and let's just worship the Lord here tonight, because there is a spirit of revelation. There is a spirit of understanding here. People, we're not just some off-the-wall organization. We're not some cult. This is the truth. God has given us the truth. And the truth shall what? The truth shall make you free! Free from what? Every other ideology, every other doctrine, every other dogma. (laughs) Hallelujah. In the animal kingdom, I reiterate, the animals that mate for life look very much alike. But those that do not, the male is decorated, and he courts the female. But in the human race, it is the female that flirts with the male. And Brother Hughes touched on this today. Men are stimulated by what they see. We have not addressed this among us till now. But we've got to come to grips with some things here. A woman in slacks, for example, her body is accentuated. Makeup appeals to the eye and men are attracted to that. That's why some women insist on doing it. I don't know why we can't get this together. Hollywood seems to know more about it than we do. If you have ever watched any of the great epic Bible films, For example, Jesus of Nazareth. In that film, when Mary Magdalene first comes into the film, she is painted eyeliner, eyeshadow, lipstick, all kinds of jewelry. She looks like a harlot. Hollywood notes that in order to portray harlotry, all that has to be present. They know that. You get the message when they do that. But after, in this film, that she has been to Jesus, in the very next scene, her face fills the entire screen. There is not one drop of makeup on her face. Because Hollywood knows that when you want to portray sainthood to an audience or a transformation of change, that it's the face has got to be pure and clean. Joan of Arc, Mary Magdalene, they were all portrayed in the films without makeup and jewelry because they represented holiness and sainthood. My God, my God, people, if Hollywood understands that, how much more should we understand this? We need to get our act together. It's not that you have to do all of this. It's a privilege to do all of this because we have been redeemed. We have been saved. (laughs) hallelujah hallelujah Jesus in churches across this country where our pastors have gone charismatic the women are being exploited men are allowing them to become central because they enjoy seeing it they won't make or take any stand against it when there are no holiness standards you will find more pornographic material in their homes and in their relationships. It is my personal opinion. It is my personal opinion. And I bounced this off both Brother Barnes and Brother Kilgore and both of them groaned on the telephone after I talked with them and said, Brother Stone King, you have got a hold of something. I really don't believe that a lot of our preachers who have gone charismatic. I really don't believe that they no longer believe this basic doctrine. I believe they still believe it. But something has happened. What is it? I'll tell you what I think it is. I think that there are preachers among us who have watched so many pornographic films, they looked at so much pornographic material, that they have given themselves over to the spirit of the world, and they are attracted to the Jezebel spirit, not the holiness and the beauty of holiness in their wives. Do you think I'm right? I think I'm right. And to prove my point, there is someone among us that I work with a lot in singles conferences, and one time, one day, a couple, of years, three years ago, two years ago, <clears throat> she announced to me that she was going to go help one particular preacher. And I said, "Why are you doing that? That man does not believe this message." She said, "I don't have any place else to go. Don't have anything else. I need some kind of income for the summer." I said, "He, when it is noised abroad that you have gone there and spent the summer." Working for him is not going to enhance your portfolio Well, I said he's no good that man is no good. I said he is no good She went anyway For whatever reason But not (coughs) not all was lost. We found out something here When the summer was over, she and I got together in a conference and we were talking. She said, Brother Stonkey, you won't believe it. (coughs) She said, one day, she said, all the pastors in that local area around that church where I was working for the summer, decided they were going to go all play out and play golf. She said, so that left all the pastor's wives free to do whatever they wanted to do. And she said, so they all got together at his church. And she said, I was in the office working and she said they all came in. She said, well, the stone King. Some of them were in shorts. Their hair was cut. They had jewelry and makeup on. I'm talking about UPC preacher's wives here. She said, I was absolutely horrified. And they invited me to go to the movies with them. Well, the men were playing golf, they were all going to go to the movies and they invited me to go. And she said, I can't do that. She said, I I can't do that. She said, I've never done anything like that. I was raised in this. I can't do that. And they just sort of laughed at her, you know, and thought she was a bit much and they scorned and went on their way. She said, but a few weeks later they were all together and she said, at another occasion. And she said they were alone, several of them with her. And so she said, in their presence, she said, I don't want to cause any trouble. I don't want to stir up anything here. She said, but I just want to ask a question for my own information. I just want to know something from you ladies. She said, some of you were raised in Pentecost. She said, what was it that one day you'd woke up And said to yourself this is the day that I cut my hair after all these years what was it that one morning you just woke up and said this is the day I cut my hair this is the day I go downtown and have my ears pierced this is the day I go get slacks this is the day I go down to the local uh, department store and have them outfit me with all the cosmetics and makeup that they think I need just what was it that one day you just woke up and decided to do all this. She said, Brother Stone King, they looked at each other, those pastor's wives, and they began to think. And she said, one after another said, it didn't start with me. It started with my husband. One day he said to me, we need to just scrap some of this you need to put a little makeup on. need to try to track the world that looks so strange or different. Because they've lost their sense of attraction to the pure. And they are attracted to the spirit of the world. And in the words of Jeff Arnold, There's not a one of those dudes that has become more spiritual. Jeff Arnold says to them, show me your big revelations, your great revelations, since you have got your freedom and your liberty. Show me the miracles of healing among you since you've become free. They don't have them. Without exception, they all become more worldly. They do not become more spiritual, they become more worldly. I remember when I was a little boy, my cousin, the same one that was the artist, got the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the Assembly of God Church, he used to take me to Sunday school with him when I was just a little kid. I can remember those people, Brother Welch, used to look exactly like us and money them looked better than we look today when I was a child. Later my cousin got the revelation of the oneness, left them, came into UPC and witnessed to me and they were instrumental in getting me into this. That's how I came into this. It's a long story. but I can remember in my early teens when Brother Howard, the pastor of the Assembly of God Church in Knoxville, Iowa got up one Sunday morning and said we've made some changes in our organization. We are going to let go of some of these holiness standards he said you women can cut your hair you can wear a little makeup and you can wear jewelry that Sunday night sister Howard came to church and she used to be the epitome of holiness she was a beautiful woman she came with her hair cut, makeup on and a necklace around her neck and within six months brother Howard was taken in adultery because when you let go of those things you fall prey to all the beasts of the field People hear me tonight, the very thing that we fight against keeps us protected. This holiness, this separation is a wall that the world cannot penetrate, the devil cannot penetrate. He cannot penetrate because as long as Israel was separate, as long as they kept themselves separate from the nations of the earth, they were safe and they were protected as soon as they became like the other nations they became destroyed we cannot become like the world we cannot play with the world we must keep our separation the reason there is such a tremendous fight in this hour over the very thing i'm talking about here tonight is because the devil knows if he can ever let cause us to let go of our separation our holiness our modesty our standards however you want to term it He knows that the power will go out the window and that we will lose our anointing and our power and we will become just another religion. We will become just another religion. This world does not need another religion. This world needs the demonstration of the Spirit of God and power. This world does not need another religion. hallelujah and it doesn't make any difference to me who agrees with me who walks in or walks out it does not matter this is the truth and god is going to send a people to us if we will hold the lines and behave ourselves and exalt him and love him more than the world and its system there's revival there's revival (coughs) tremendous revival It's marching toward us. You can hear it. There's something marching toward us. You can hear it. Oh. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24 and verse 29, the Bible says, Tarry ye in Jerusalem until ye be endued. The word endued comes from a Greek word that means clothed. Clothed with power from on high. First Peter five ten says, "Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you." The word "perfect" comes from the Greek word, which literally means to make tailor-made. In other words, to take it up until it fits. It's not a matter of the church fitting us; it's a matter of us fitting the church. The tabernacle plan was a blueprint. It was a pattern you don't cut the pattern to fit the person you cut the person to fit the pattern you don't cut the cloth or the pattern to fit the cloth you cut the cloth to fit the pattern God has come to deliver us to set us free to give us Liberty in him and to teach us a new way of life where there is peace joy happiness in the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost Say, I've got that. Say, I want that. <clears throat> if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm eleven three says. Literally translated means, what is the righteous going to do about it? I'll tell you what we're going to do about it. We're going to preach it just as hot and heavy as we have ever preached it. I believe with all of my heart, we need to preach this just as intensely as they are preaching that mess out there. We need to meet fire with fire, intensity with intensity. We need to stand up for this just as powerfully as they are standing up for that so-called freedom and liberation. Jesus. 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 There are several things you can rebuild and remodel. But you cannot rebuild the foundation. You can do all kinds of things to the structure now that you've got it built. You can change the paper, the paint, you can change anything. But you cannot change this foundation. Once you put the foundation down, it is permanent. And it must be built correctly. You can do all kinds of things to the structure, I reiterate. But the foundation is permanent. And the foundation in here is permanent. say I like it this way punch your neighbor and say isn't this something we're finding out all kinds of things ask your neighbor look him right in the eyes and say do you like it? how many of you can perceive your neighbors lying? <laughs> lift our hands and praise the Lord because God is here tonight To wonderfully, wonderfully help us. And something is about to happen in this place. Because God and his law is being lifted and exalted. Romans 8 and 15 says. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption. Everyone say adoption. Whereby we cry Abba father galatians 4 5 says to redeem them that are under the law that we might receive the adoption everyone say adoption. adoption adoption of sons ephesians 1 and 5 says having predestinated us to the adoption of children by jesus christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will adoption according to the ecclesiastical theological dictionary in biblical times when you were adopted you had to change your name you had to change your address and you changed your dress code in biblical times when you were adopted because every family was known by the kind of clothing that was worn by that family example is the kilts of the Scots in Scotland, even to this day, each clan has its own design, color of fabric, etc. And everybody knows who belongs to which clan. When I was adopted into this royal household of faith, my name no longer is just Lee Stone King. My name is Lee Stone King Jesus. I've got a new name. This world is not my home, I have a new address. It's somewhere in that holy city, that new Jerusalem. And God has changed my dress code because I want to look like his family. I want to be known as part of his family. I remember years ago, when I first went to New York State, we had a man come to New York City. He worked all through New York City, beat those streets, hewed out a tremendous work for God in those days, way back there in the early 70s. He, I remember him telling at one of our conferences in the Eastern District at that time, he told how he was looking for an address in New York City, a rough part of town. I think it was in the Bronx. He was trying to find this address. He finally found it. When he got there, it was raining. Water was dripping down through the holes and the little roof that covered the stairway. He got up there to the door and the door was not locked. It was just slightly ajar. He knocked, nothing, nothing happened. He pushed the door open. He couldn't really see. It was dark in there. He pushed it open farther, and he had a Bible. He said he always carried his Bible, a big one, way out front, so people knew that he was some kind of religious worker. He walked in holding the Word of God before him. When he got inside, he could hear chains rattling and commotion on the floor. He had walked into the hold-up of one of the toughest gangs in New York City. And when his eyes adjusted and he saw what he was involved with, he opened his Bible and turned to 1 Corinthians and read, Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory unto her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. He said that the gang leader, who had long hair broke down and began to weep in the presence of the red word of God. That's how powerful. He said from that time on, he had protection all over New York City. That gang escorted him any place he wanted to go and helped him find all the addresses he needed to find. I feel like shouting. I feel like screaming. I'm not sure my voice will do it. But maybe you can do it for me.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 11 verse 15. The literal translation from the Greek reads, "But a woman, if she wears her hair long, a glory to her it is, because the long hair instead of a veil has been given her." That's what the original says. I don't think I've told you this, but in California, I preached this in a large conference among those apostolic Spanish groups where they all wear those veils. And when I got done preaching, what I'm about to give you, they saw it. Those young preachers saw it, and they came running to me. And they said, Brother Stone King, we see what you're saying, but in the hands of our elders, They said, they believe that that veil is the covering. I said, but in the Bible you can see that the veil is not the covering. Veil, man-made, hair, God-made. The hair is God-made. Not some net, not some veil, but hair. They said, what shall we do? I said hold your peace eventually the tide will turn you will be the churches of tomorrow you will be the preachers and leaders of your organization then you can preach it you can preach the truth I said but I've got a word from God for you if you people could ever get the revelation that the covering is not that veil but it is the hair and your women would stop cutting their hair there'd be revival among you unlike anything you've ever seen because you would break your link with the Catholic Church you would cut the link with the Catholic Church through which that spirit of Catholicism comes in upon your people. I don't know about you, but I want to cut all the routes. I want to cut all the channels with the world, with the Catholic Church, with everything that is not of Jesus, because everything that is not of Jesus is going to go down. Only this church! and his word will survive <clears throat> I could go through this and give you the intricacies of all the Greek we dug out I'll make it simple for you first Corinthians 11:10. for this cause of the woman to have power everyone say power, power. on her head because of the angels Ought the woman for this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels the word "ought" means in the greek indebted ability authority rule through by with really actually what the bible is saying therefore the woman is indebted or owes her authority on her head with the angels the original meaning Is the ability of the word power, is the ability to perform an act, the right, the authority, and the permission, now get this, conferred by a higher court. Powerful. For this cause the woman is indebted or owes her power on her head, which she has through, by, or with the angels, which is conferred upon her by a higher court. Keep going. What it really is saying, for this cause the woman is owing or indebted to the inward power, which is conferred upon her by a higher court with the angels. The word power comes from a Greek word, esousia, which means, as a divinely given authority to act, esousia implies freedom for the whole community. I have always believed that in churches and in the homes where our women did not cut their hair, and people hear me tonight, it's not the long or the short of it, because in some cultures women's hair does not grow long. The issue is not short or long, the issue is uncut. That is the issue. The issue is uncut, not long or short, uncut. I have always believed that in our churches, in our homes, where the women did not cut their hair, that there was some kind of angelic, Power in that church and in that home that was there because the woman did not cut her hair. Now we have confirmed it in the Greek because what the original Greek says that this long hair gives her a power conferred upon her by a higher court with angels and it produces a freedom for the whole community. So the whole church is involved With this power of angels because of you ladies here who do not cut your hair. That's what the Bible is saying. So, if a woman wants to be free, she lets her hair grow. If she wants to be bound, she does not let her hair grow. But if she allows her hair to grow long, uncut, everyone say uncut in compliance with God's relationship to man then the church community has a freedom in the spirit which does not exist without her compliance in fact I know some very great men of God among us whose names I probably shouldn't mention but I have been around them at times when they were facing tremendous problems and difficulties and could not find the answer. And the wife one day would just walk in with incredible wisdom and just level the thing right out and make such sense that he didn't know where he had been all of these years. And some men resent that and are frustrated with that. But what they don't understand is that women who do not cut their hair are involved with a power and wisdom from angels that men don't get into because it's not upon them to get into it women among us who do not cut their hair, they are entangled with a world and a level of power that men don't touch. Only eternity will reveal in our homes, in our churches, how many times in our homes and churches where our women have not cut their hair where suddenly a child was running out in front of oncoming traffic and an angel of God has pulled the child back. (laughs) Only eternity will reveal how many times your husband on his way to work was headed for a head-on collision, but something happened and the car swerved and his life was spared only eternity. (laughs) I heard the story not long ago of a woman, a, some people on the street, a child upstairs in a Pentecostal home was playing in an open window and the child crawled into the windowsill and fell off the, the sill to the ground. And the, 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 the passerby, they were terrified. But when the people came out of the house screaming, the passerby on the street said, I've never seen anything like it. There was someone standing there on the ground that caught your child. Caught your child in their arms. Where are they? I don't know, they just disappeared. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him or respect him or keep his commandments. Hallelujah! 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 I don't know, I don't know how many of you know Brother Steve Richardson. He's one of the greatest songwriters. He wrote the song Daystar. I work with him in a lot of conferences. He does the music, he's there to sing, etc. He's a very anointed individual. He told us in one of the conferences we were in, he said he was driving. And one of the major thoroughfares or throughways there around Indianapolis, he said he was passing a semi. All of a sudden, he said another semi was coming straight toward him in his lane of traffic, and there was no way to get out. He simply cried, Jesus! He said, when I came to... He said, my car was parked along the side of the road, and everything was all right, and the engine was off. He said, I "Looked to the rear view mirror behind me, and the trucks had collided. They put the brakes on. There wasn't major damage, but they had hit. He was sandwiched between them, would have been. He said, one of the truck drivers jumped out of the cab and came running to him, and said, I've seen a lot of things in my life, but I've never seen anything like this. Because he said, something picked your car up in the air, took it ahead of my semi, and put it along the side of the road. How can that happen? Because he went to a church where the women did not cut their hair. There is a power, there is a freedom that comes to the whole community. Hallelujah. I've always loved Christianity, but I love it more tonight than I've ever loved it. Because this is the truth. This is the truth. And it is laced. It is filled. It is charged with power and revelation. Go ahead, son, just dance it up because there is a spirit of revelation and understanding in the house of God among the people of the Lord that do know their God and keep his commandments. <laughs> Hallelujah. KELECH Rashata Hallelujah Jesus Hallelujah Jesus Oh You may be seated here is some very interesting information Mightily connected with what we're talking about here tonight. The boy gets his male identity from his mother, not his father. Her approval, her recognition, her affection develops his self-esteem, his identity, that he is a male. If you watch most young boys when they enter into puberty, after a while they'll begin to flirt with their mother. And she knows how to respond to that, to help him to adjust to all of this chemical change inside of him. But if a boy grows up without that proper relationship with a mother, when he gets married, he will not know how to treat a woman, and usually he will abuse her. That's one of the things that's wrong in our society. As Brother Hughes says, dysfunctional families, nothing is normal anymore. But God has built a refuge and a set of laws that can succor us from the snare and the tentacles of darkness and change us. If the mother is rebellious in these matters of divine order, Then she transmits her rebellion to her son and the generation that he sires will be more rebellious than hers. That is what is so scary about this. She may be subtle in her expression of it, but he will be bold. It will become his lifestyle. All you have to do is go to Roman history and see how the mothers of the Caesars manipulated their sons to become the most vile, cruel, corrupt specimens of humanity that has ever existed. Claudius, for example, fourth Caesar from Tiberius. Cruel, corrupt. The pharaohs of Egypt, there are whole volumes written on this particular subject. Now hear this, from the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament by Kittle and published by Erdmans, it says, in biblical times, when you entered Corinth, at the top of the hill was the temple of Diana. The first sailor from the sea to the top of the hill was given free access to the whole of the harlot harems of Diana. The prostitutes in the temple all had short hair. It had been given as a sacrifice on altars of fire before those temples to the goddess Diana. In National Geographic magazine, I found something. The June issue, 1972, page 774. Look it up in a library, read it for yourself. I found a picture of an altar whereupon women in biblical times sacrificed their hair. Fowled in the city of Aphrodisias, located in southwest Turkey, the temple of Aphrodite towers behind its blazing altar, women entered to sacrifice their hair in annual mourning for the death of Aphrodite's lover Adonis, a rite recreated by the artists from fragmentary ancient accounts. When the Bible says but if a woman have long hair it is a glory to her for her hair is given her for a covering but if any man seem to be contentious we have no such custom neither the churches of God what that verse 16 is really saying we have no such custom if any man seem to be contentious what Paul is saying we have no such custom as they have in the heathen temples Because the Corinthians who were being converted to Christianity, they had cut their long beautiful tresses and offered them to the gods of the Greeks, or the Greek gods, so they assumed they did the same thing for this Jesus when they came into the church and were converted. But what Paul was saying, no, 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 don't cut your hair in the church of the living God. Your hair is given you for a covering. You've got power on your head because of the angels. We don't have that custom in the Christian church. That's what he is saying. (laughs) Clap again and worship for just a moment. I'm coming to a close. hallelujah this next statement I'm quoting directly from brother Hughes I wrote it down he said the cutting of the hair is the statement of our women for women's rights it is filtering into the church it is a sign of rebellion I can remember I can remember in Des Moines Iowa When I was first converted, something unusual happened on one of the streetcars. A couple of girls came in to the... They were teenage girls, they came into the bus. The bus was crowded during rush hour time. An older man was seated in a seat on the aisle. And these two girls had slacks on, they had a lot of makeup, and their hair was cut short, and they were standing there holding onto the rail, and scornfully they said, You'd think a man would get up and give us his seat. The old man looked up at the two girls and he said, You women wear pants like a man. You cut your hair like a man. You curse like a man. Now stand up like a man. That's exactly, exactly how it is. A real woman, a real lady, a man will get up and give her his seat but not someone that looks like him, outcurses him, and dresses like him. They really don't respect them. They really don't respect them. A real man does not respect women like that. This is good, isn't it? Jesus. 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 lift your hands and put a tail on that, I feel a kind of excitement here right now there's just a tremendous excitement in this house I taught a session like this in one particular church. I think this is only the fifth time I've done this session since January. I only do it where I feel it. Brother David Gray heard me do it in late January of this year. He was a mentor to me. His death is a tremendous loss to us as a people. He was a great scholar, but in his weakness on Sunday morning after I taught it in that single cap meeting, he came and hugged me, nearly broke my ribs, sobbing. Buried his head in my shoulder, he said, Brother Stone King, promise me that you will teach and preach this everywhere you go. And I've been trying to do it. I don't always feel it, but I feel it here because I feel like there's a revival in this general area and that God is bringing you people together to do something glorious and wonderful. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I taught this session in one church. At the end of the service, a young pastor's wife came to me. She was sobbing. She said, Brother Stone King, you have saved me. You have saved me. I said, what are you talking about? She said, my husband doesn't know this She said, but tomorrow, I was going down to the beauty shop. I was going to have my hair cut, and when my husband came home, I was going to tell him, this is how it is, and if you don't like it, we'll get a divorce. You can leave, because I'm not living like this anymore. She said, but since I've heard this session, she was sobbing. She grabbed a hold of my hands. She said, Brother Stone King, I didn't know. I didn't understand. I didn't understand. Nobody ever told me. She said, scissors will never cut my hair again. They will never touch my hair again. I've gotten so much mail from women all across this country who've got a hold of some of these tapes. I want to tell you, I feel as a man in Pentecost, United Pentecostal Church, I feel like we have miserably failed, Brother Welch, Brother Hughes, our women. We have miserably failed you. We have miserably failed you we have not helped you to understand what this is all about. We've preached it and said all kinds of rough things and gone after you, but we need to go after the men. We want want the women to do all of these things, but the Bible says that men ought to lift up holy hands everywhere, worshiping without wrath and doubting. Our men need to get with the program. Don't leave it all to the women. It ought to be the men that are on their feet. ought to be the men that have got their hands in the air. Leading the example in the church, in the home. The Bible says that men ought to lift up holy hands everywhere. That means on the job. That means in the restaurant. That means at home. That means for sure in the church. We are talking about revival. We're praying for revival. We're wanting revival. We're doing all kinds of things to get revival. But I've come here tonight to say to all of you ladies that are here, we can't have it without you. Because there is something that only you can do in the kingdom of God that men can not do. And without you, we will never have the revival that God wants to send in power and authority it will never happen we need you doing what you are doing you're a tribute to this world you're a credit to the kingdom of God and I think every man in this place ought to stand to his feet and give our ladies a standing ovation for what they do for the kingdom of God. You men ought to clap. You ought to shout with your voice because we can't do it without these ladies. It's never going to happen because there is a power upon their heads. You may be seated. Now, ladies, clap for yourself. Now, men, join them. Now, let's clap for the Lord and lift our voice of triumph (laughs) unto the Lord. And I close with this. I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't want to belong to a church that is just form and ritual. I want to belong to a church where when one of our children has a raging fever, a believer can lay a hand upon a fevered brow in the name of Jesus and the child recover. I want to belong to a church where the drug addict can find deliverance at our altar. I want to belong to a church where the homosexual can get set free. I want to belong to a church that when the doctors say no, there's a Jesus that says try me and signs and wonders and miracles happen I don't want to belong to just another religion I want to belong to a pulsating life-giving force-giving church where the power of God is in demonstration because as I said to you this morning these signs shall follow them that believe biblically in my name what is his name say it again Say it again, say it again. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Say, I've got that. Say, I've got that. Say, I've got that. Say, I'm a believer. Say, I've got that. Say, I've got it. I've got it. Yes. And I'm going to use it! I'm going to use it! Why don't you turn to somebody? Why don't you turn to somebody? Lay your hands on them right now and command in the name of Jesus to never be the same! To never be the same! To never be the same! <laughs> that's it that's it that's it that's it never to be the same again never to be the same again never to be the same again angels of the lord are in this place for the musicians begin to sing would you clap your hands would you shout with your voice of triumph in the house of the lord Hallelujah! Oh, sing something that's alive, because the joy of the Lord is in this house, and the presence of God is here, and I reiterate that the end is at the beginning, because Jesus is here, anything can happen, anything can happen, if you believers will come out of yourself, if you get a hold of each other, you can change everything, you can change everything, you can change everything for your neighbor, you can change everything for yourself, You you can change it, you can change it, you can change it!